Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast we have the Gospel of John, part 62. The title of this message is Feed My Sheep. Some really good stuff, one of my favorite passages in the year. And today we're also kind of uh, launching our initiative to feed hungry people in the community called Bag Hunger. So you can check more information about that on the web at northshorevineyard.org. But for now, let's go ahead and head over to the talk. Thanks for listening. Today we come to the Gospel of John, part 62. I said this would be the last message on John. I don't know if I'm ready to part with John just yet. We may have one or two more. I got it's, it's been a long part of my life. This has been half of our church's history. It's been in the Gospel of John. Um, but today we're going to cover most of chapter 21. So I'm going to go ahead and get started and uh, read it. Somebody call my name. Oh, offering. Yeah. Lord, bless this offering. Amen. Juan is going to pass that around. (laughs) Well, all right. Uh, John chapter 21. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Let me start again. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize That it was Jesus. He called out to him, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came, took took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Now, this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said again, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, 
son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him this third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole New Testament. There is something, I don't know, that I just love about the fact that Jesus, after he is uh, raised from the dead, after he's defeated sin and death, faced the worst that the world and humanity and the devil has to throw against him, when he could just go back to heaven, when he could go around gloating about how he conquered death, what does he do? He cooks for his friends. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Isn't that an awesome picture? Jesus cooks fish and biscuits for his friends. And what we see in this story is that uh, it, it probably wasn't biscuits, by the way. It's probably like closer to pancakes or unleavened bread. Um, but what we see in this story, it's really a story about Peter. It's a story about what God has been doing in Peter's life and how God reconciles Peter to him after Peter's tremendous failure. And I, I love this story because I think we can all identify with it. We all feel like at sometimes we failed God. We have not had what it takes. We've cowered in fear. We've been puffed up in pride. Uh, we've been living in our false self, and sometimes we bump into that reality, and we just we feel ashamed. We don't think we can be around Jesus. And in this story, I see God at work in all these little details to get a hold at Peter's heart and bring him back near so that Peter can, can end up being the rock that we knew him to be. Now, there's some similarities between this story and another story that we find in Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, we see the calling of Peter. And I want you to pay attention to how God gets in touch with Peter, how, how God speaks to Peter within his very vocation. Because I find that God does that to a lot of people. One day, Luke chapter 5, one day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners from the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. How many of y'all would love to see that kind of miracle? You know, fishermen in here? Can I get an amen? Okay. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything, and followed him. 
I love the way Jesus gets Peter's attention. How many of y'all like to fish in here? We got some, I think that's like everybody in, in Louisiana. Uh, I've lived in Louisiana for many years, and I've never fished in Louisiana. I've fished in other places. Um, and I get people, friends of mine, inviting me to go fish a lot. But here's what they like to do. I, I've got friends who describe to me, I, I'll, 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 I'll say, you went fishing this weekend? Yeah. Did you catch anything? No, but I just love sitting out there on the boat and throwing my rod in. And I'm like, I don't, that, that's not, that doesn't do it for me. This sitting out in a boat with a fishing line in the water and catching nothing. Not so much. I like the kind of fishing where you're catching stuff. And I, I see Peter here. He, he's, I mean, think about this. If, if your job is to fish, it's not just something you like to do, but it's your job. It's a dream job for some of you. Uh, it, it's, it's your job to fish. It's the way you provide for your family. You've been out there all night. You caught nothing. And with one word from Jesus... The nets just fill up. It's just, you, you ever see like out on Lake Pontchartrain where the, the schools of fish and they're just, the water is ruffling. You imagine Peter throws over the net and the waters just start getting rough and fish are just piling in. It's like there's a party in the net and all the fish are invited. And what does Peter do? This gets Peter's attention because Jesus is speaking Peter's language right now. He's not speaking King James English. He's not using some weird kind of parable. He's speaking the language of Peter right now. And Peter does what Peter does. He just falls down on his knees. I'm a sinful man, Lord. Go away from me. Because Jesus gets right to the heart of, of, of what Peter's doing. But right after Jesus does this miracle for Peter, he's like, you think this is cool, Peter? You think this is amazing? Then um, follow me. Because we're not just going to catch fish, we're going to catch people. So that's how Jesus called Peter. Now here we are, three years later, after the crucifixion, after Peter's denial of Jesus, after the resurrection. And even though Jesus has died for the sins of the world and extended forgiveness, how many of you know that, that, that Peter's got some unresolved issues with Jesus? He still feels, he, you know, he, he still feels like in Jesus' worst moment, he didn't have what it take. He didn't have what it took. And so Jesus is standing on the shore, and we have a very similar scene. Peter's been out there all night fishing, and we get the uh, picture that he was fishing in his underwear. And Jesus calls out. He says, y'all caught anything? No. Put your nets on the other side. So they do. All of a sudden, the water starts rippling again. Fish start coming from every direction. Big fish, 153 of them. And right in that moment, John says, it's Jesus. And I know Peter, in that moment, as he's looking down at the water, quivering, he just begins to go. He just remembers the call of Jesus on his life. The, the first time that Jesus said, follow me, and we're going to catch people. And what does Peter do? He puts on his clothes and jumps in the water. I don't get that part. <laughs> He's fishing in his underwear all night, and then he puts on his clothes and jumps in the water. And he swims to the shore, and what does he find? He finds Jesus sitting there with a, a, a meal prepared. What kind of God is this that takes a break from running the universe to sit down on a beach and cook 
dinner for, or breakfast for his friends. Brenner, it's kind of breakfast and dinner. Uh, what kind of God is this? Just think about that for a minute. Some of y'all, you got this crazy picture of God that he's this grumpy old dude that, that can't stand being around you. And here's what Jesus does. He could be doing anything in the world after the resurrection, and he takes time to cook a meal. We don't get any sense that he was using miracles here. He cooked fish and bread. He didn't just like, boom. He cooks it for his friends. You know, I, I read a study that came out last year. We, you hear that term comfort food? Uh they actually did a study that, that they, they found out that um, one of the universal love languages of human beings is food. When somebody cooks a meal for you, you feel loved. You feel valued. You feel cared for. Like it's, 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 it's up there with getting a hug, getting a kiss. There's something when somebody feeds you, it says, I love you. Jesus is showing them. He's not just talking to them about love. I love this, too, the fact that before the cross, we see that Jesus is in kind of a servant leadership role. We see Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. We see, you know, Jesus uh, really taking the low place. But after the cross, after the resurrection, he's still humble. If I conquered death, I'd be like, I conquered death, (laughs) y'all. But he's still serving. He's still walking in humility. He's still extending love. And so here Peter comes up and he sits down around this campfire. You know that smell has a way of triggering memories probably more than anything else. You ever notice that before? You, you get a, a whiff of old pipe tobacco or mothballs or fried chicken or something, and it takes you back to some memory you had from your childhood. Smell has a way of, of carrying our in, memories in, in, in ways that nothing else can. And I imagine Peter sitting there by that fire that morning, that, that charcoal fire. He probably was taken back to the smell of that charcoal fire that he'd been in front of just a few days before when he denied Jesus. That night when he's standing out in the cold trying to keep himself warm while Jesus was being accused and interrogated. Hey, aren't you one of his followers? Nah, man. Aren't you one of Jesus' followers? You sound like you're from the North Shore. You sound like one of them rednecks. The people on the North Shore Galilee, they talk funny, okay? I'm not saying anything about us, right? Because we talk right. It's the rest of the people. He says, no, 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 no. I wasn't with Jesus. A third time, aren't you a follower of Jesus? No. Bleep no. (laughs) Said he cussed. I won't. Peter finds himself now sitting by another campfire. And I I just imagine in that moment, just, just, just the shame of that memory coming up in his mind. But this whole moment that Jesus has put together... The, the miracle of the fish out there, the fish and the bread by the campfire, uh, this is all going somewhere. Jesus is, is, is working his way into Peter's heart. And here we see the restoration of, Jesus, uh, of, of Peter. You know, before Jesus went to the crucifixion, he told Peter, you're going to deny me. Like, I already know that about you. 
Peter didn't believe him. He says, look, Satan has come to sift you like wheat. And I'm just praying for you that after he sifted you, that you will be able to strengthen your brothers. And so here we find Peter. He's like one who's been sifted like wheat. All the confidence that he placed in his own gifts, in his own false self, his own ego, that's been stripped away. Peter sees that, that no matter how gifted and how opinionated and and bold he thought he was, he didn't have what it takes. And now Peter is just like a piece of wheat that's had the outer covering taken off. Now Jesus has something he can work with. And so Jesus restores him. It's interesting that by way of forgiveness, Jesus actually gives Peter a job to do. Jesus doesn't just forgive Peter. He doesn't just say, oh, you're forgiven. I love you. He says, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Three times he says, do you love me? For the three denials that Peter gave. And each time he says, feed my sheep. You know, one time Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus said, the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole Bible, all of Scripture, the law, the prophets, rest on these two commandments. It's not too complicated. Love God, love people. Peter, do you love me? Then take care of other people. Feed my sheep. Live a life that exhibits love in action. Live a life that exhibits love and action. I think a lot of us, because we live in such an individualistic culture, we think it's just about me and Jesus. I just need to know that God loves me. I need to have my personal time with God and my personal relationship with God, and it's all just me and Jesus and all that. But Jesus ties Peter's love of him to his care for others. We can't truly say we love God if we don't care for other people and we can't truly care for other people apart from the love of God poured out in our hearts Peter if you love me do as I've done you know in the in the previous chapter Jesus says as the father sent me so I send you as Jesus has been the good shepherd to this world to his own disciples now he is he's telling Peter you're going to be a good shepherd now You're not going to be God, but you're going to do what I've been doing all this time. You're going to take care of sheep. And and, and ultimately, it's going to cost you. You're going to end up going to a cross yourself. And I'm sure that probably wasn't great news for Peter at that time. But ultimately, if you read the stories in church history, Peter willingly went to the cross. He was glad to go to the cross. He was glad to lay his life down. It's hard to fathom, but this is the way of love. I, find, I, I bet this morning in here, in this room, there's a lot of us who carry disappointments. Maybe, with, maybe we just feel like we've let God down or we haven't measured up or whatever. And I hope this morning, as, as, as we looked at this passage, you can see that the God of the whole universe values your relationship enough. 
to free you from this in a personal way. And that it's not just a matter of you. You know, the point isn't that you just get forgiven. The point is that you become forgiveness to the world. The point isn't that you just receive God's love, but you extend God's love. The point isn't that you just experience the compassion of God, but that you actually become the compassion of God. The point isn't that you would just simply experience the care of God for you, but you you would actually extend the care of God to others. I think this means in a spiritual and emotional sense, but it also means in a very real sense. And it's kind of interesting that we all this kind of came together to talk about bag hunger in the food bank today because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think we're just talking about feeding sheep in a spiritual way. We're talking about actually feeding people, taking care of the needs in our community. Do you love Jesus? Then feed. Take care of those around you. Be a part of that. Why don't you stand? Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for the picture of of the life of Peter that you've given us in Scripture. Lord, I thank you for how we can each identify with that story a little bit, Lord. God, I thank you that even, even though you know we're going to fail you, even though you know that we're not going to live up to our own standards sometimes, God, you don't get freaked out about that. And I thank you that you go to great lengths to restore us, to draw us near. God, I pray that you would help each of us in here to live as people who are loved by you, to extend that love to others, to live as people who have truly experienced your compassion in the depths of our beings, to extend that compassion to the community around us. Lord, to live as people who have experienced your generosity and to extend that same generosity to the world around us, Lord. Lord, let us be like Peter. Make us into a rock by your spirit, by your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.